I'm Paul Unger, editor of Placetech. In this episode, I'm joined by Justin Harley of Yardi. Justin is regional director for the UK and Ireland for Flexspace and Residential. And by Rupert Dean, CEO of X and Y, a very cool flex office operator. This episode is brought to you in association with Yardi. Yardi's flexible workspace suite, Yardi Cube, is the market's freshest approach to flexible workspace management. With PropTech solutions that drive success in space, bookings, and member management, unrivaled Wi Fi solutions, and award winning property management and accounting technology, Yardi is transforming co working and flexible workspace operators' performance as the demand for flexible space grows. For more information, visit yardicube.co.uk. So let's get underway. Uh, gentlemen, welcome. Hi, nice to see you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having us. Hi. Um, Rupert, tell us a little bit about X and Y. Sure. So X and Y is a, uh, is a as you said, Paul, a, a very cool, uh, flexible workspace provider and operator uh, working with uh, some of the leading landlords around the UK to provide uh, really green, innovative workspace for communities of uh, what we refer to as purpose-driven or responsible businesses, uh, leaders and entrepreneurs uh, with a bid to help uh, shift business mindsets towards a more responsible uh, way of thinking in the new uh, ESG-focused world uh, and to uh, capture that and the changing business behaviors that uh, there are outcomes of that. Sure. And, and how many sites have you got and what's in the pipeline? So we've got four sites at the moment, principally in, in eastern uh, sort of central London. But uh, we are expanding out into the regions out of London um, into sort of more key sort of gateway cities, uh, tapping into the sort of leveling up agenda. So uh, going into... Um, into the likes of Birmingham uh, and that area, and then down towards uh, more sort of southeast and uh, to Cambridge uh, and surrounding towns of, of London. So that's about as much as I can say. But there's uh, there's a lot coming up uh, um, over the next uh, over the next twelve to eighteen months as a result, principally of the current disruption that we're seeing in the extraordinary market that's come out of this pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. It's something we'll look forward to exploring now. Um, Justin, are you seeing real growth in the, the, the flex side of, of the market? Is this something that landlords and, and real estate generally is asking for? I think we're seeing a real shift in the marketplace. Um, and a couple of things that, that we observe is we see um, uh, a number of our traditional commercial real estate customers looking at flex as an option to their portfolios so how how will they um blend that into their portfolio um and of course that throws up a number of challenges um because managing flexible workspaces is is quite different to traditional uh, office rentals and as a result of that we're seeing um many many operators uh, many more new entrants coming into the market offering um management contract type deals so where they are managing space on behalf of landlords so we're seeing a, a plethora of new entrants there so um you know people like space made recently to work is another one that we've seen plus many more that we're we're also talking to and are in early stages discussions so i think that's um uh, a trend that we are seeing 
which is a result of the commercial real estate industry saying, hey, how do I, how do I, how do I um, embrace this space and what's the best way for me to go about it? Yeah, yeah. And how are these sites uh, driven by technology? Well, I think um, <laughs> as, we, uh, as we sit in our homes and uh, I suffer from uh, um, broadband difficulties with my local BT copy, copper wire, I think um, one of the first things that's very important, and I, you know, I've seen a lot of surveys in Flexible Workspace over the years about you know, why people leave. And, and, and I think before we get too ensconced on wonderful technologies, the broadband is so important in the flexible workspace and, and that experience for the people within that, uh, within that space is key. And I think one of the things that we all struggle with with our home broadband and I think you know, reason to get back to the office is things like this. You know, I don't think these things will go away. I think we'll, we, we, you know, we'll embrace more and more podcasts, um, videos. And to do that in the office would be better because the quality is better in the office. So, um, and it's interesting, actually, a video call on Teams or Zoom takes um, 18 times as much bandwidth as a normal voice over IP call. So I think that will be a challenge that people are going to face as they come out of um, out of um, out of this lockdown situation. Um, but I think, you know, Technology, I think um, if you are managing spaces on behalf of landlords, you need to be operationally efficient. And um, technology plays a very important part of that. And I think it's that it's that blend of not losing the human experience, but being making it um, technologically efficient, too. So because, you know, flexible workspaces and we work in one um, the, the people and the service is so important and um, I don't think that will ever change. I think that's one of the unique things about this sector and one of the things that its customers enjoy. Yeah, uh, Rupert, you're nodding along to a lot of that. Um, is, is technology something that you're you're designing in from the outset to, to your sites? Yeah, definitely. I, I think um, the advance in technology, particularly in this sector over the last few years, um, has been a, a massive. Um, and just from a pure operational point of view, um, how you operate your your systems, processes, and people are, are massive in terms of cost-saving efficiencies and service. I also totally agree that you, we can't become robots necessarily, and that a large part of what we do uh, is actually the face-to-face, uh, that there is a significant part of hospitality that relies on engagement, natural engagement uh, with members. And that's something that we're really keen to maintain without having, you know, it's being becoming totally automated. Uh, I think there's a slight fine line there, but but equally used correctly, um, the possibilities and functionality of technology today within the sector are, are, are huge um, and, and ever changing and ever growing and ever improving. So it's it's really exciting. Absolutely. And it's a very fast moving market. Um, so it must be interesting to be at the coalface rolling out whilst there's all this flux going on, everyone debating the future of work, mm. hybrid workforces. Um, everyone's an expert, it seems, these days. Um, but what are some of the some of the noises that you're hearing as you negotiate? I mean, Justin's mentioned management agreements there. Is that something yeah. that, that you would you would echo you're hearing a lot from from landlords as they they grapple with new concepts and options 
Yeah, definitely. I, look, you, you've got a major, major bit of disruption happening here in, in one of uh, the sort of traditionally least disrupted sectors uh, in commercial real estate. Uh, it is obviously being seen in other uh, real estate sectors, uh, including retail and obviously leisure and events. Um, and landlords and asset managers and fund managers are all having to think very, very differently uh, about how they operate this space and the demand that's coming because it's it's no longer uh, a case of creating space and they will come. Uh, you have to really, really think about what it is that you're offering. And from a tenant perspective, uh, there's huge change in how they engage with their workforce and their office. So they're really asking themselves the question now, which they probably never thought they would, what is the point in the office? And how do we use an office? And I think that the, the combination of kind of that disruption and the fact that that will lead to significant amounts of kind of testing and adapting uh, make, means that landlords are really having to think about how they do it. And a large part of what they're saying to themselves is, well, look, you know, there always has to be a degree of flexibility. The proportion of overall flexibility to lease ratio in commercial real estate probably has to start changing a bit because it, it's people are demanding more flexibility. They're demanding more service. They're demanding more common amenity, pay-as-you-go space, well-being, health and safety, technology. How do we employ all of these facets, you know, to improve and become really attractive? Uh, and support, importantly, members in, in how they transition to this sort of horrible phrase of new normal. Um, and so I think, you know, that's why we are certainly as an operator seeing an awful lot of landlords coming to us and, and asking us to, to support them. And I, the last thing I'd say about it is that obviously there is a significant sort of environmental, social and governance perspective um, uh, that, that landlords need to consider as well in how they operate these spaces. And again, that's where we kind of support them in terms of the, the impact that they're creating through their, through their assets. So yeah, it's, it's changed. It's all changed. Good. T talk to us a bit more about that, because I know it's, it's, it's close to your heart and it's close to the sort of the, the core of the business plan for X and Y, the sustainability. How, yeah. how important is that and how are you doing that to, to make a successful flex space? So we kind of think about it from, uh, from different ways. So we think about it from the hard assets. So we think about it from the building perspective. So, uh, you know, energy consumption, utilities, water, uh, how we design it, so you know, promoting sustainability, uh, engaging with a responsible supply chain, uh, thinking about waste management, energy control, uh, all of those things, down to how we engage with our members, from uh, encouraging uh, well-being to encouraging biking to uh, trying to help companies understand this sort of role of responsible business and and the benefits that it brings as well through through our sort of various community engagement programs. So, um, yeah, it's it's kind of coming at it from from multiple angles, really. And Paul, I might, I might just add, add to that, actually, because I think it's really interesting what Rupert says, and I absolutely concur with um, what X and Y are doing. Um, uh, on, on a technology point of view, this is an area that Yardi are investing in um, very heavily. Uh, admittedly, it's in the US at the moment, and it's been driven. Now, you know, Rupert alluded to the fact that buildings... Um, have a high carbon footprint. In the US, it's 40%. 40% of the US carbon mm. footprint is from the real estate alone. And if that could be reduced by 2%, uh, the US would meet its goals and targets 
in the uh, Paris Agreement. So, you know, that, that, that kind of puts things into perspective. And in terms of the investment that Yardi are putting into it, it's all around benchmarking your energy, being able to um, uh, save money, use, optimize um, energy at the right times. Um, so, you know, a real, uh, you know, something that we're really investing very, very heavily because we're seeing right across the real estate sector a real need. And the other thing that we notice is on the residential side, residents who are renting these buildings, they care. You know, this demographic, you know, generation rent, who probably is the same tenant uh, for Rupert's business or other flexible workspace business. So they go from their build to rent environment into their flex space environment. They really do care. And if you if you are if you don't have strong green um, uh, credentials, then they'll take their business elsewhere. Maybe different on a corporate um, kind of agreement, but you know that's the strength of of these individuals. So I, I think it is something that will um, increasingly be something that we talk about, and I think that um, that that buildings will learn and have to benchmark and measure. Yeah, it's it's not just that it's the right thing to do um, and, uh, you know, from an environmental and planetary point of view, but it's about staying relevant to uh, to, to occupiers' yeah. demands as well, isn't it, and their needs. Yeah. Um, and, and one thing that we hear a lot about is, is community and the, the importance of a good community offer for the, the, the user experience. Um, and, and, and yet we're facing the sort of tension of, COVID secure buildings, people coming into places that they uh, that they need to be uh, clean and safe and hygienic. Um, it, is there a challenge there around bringing multiple users of a space in a flex space together when maybe they, they don't know each other's companies and teams as, as well? How, how can that be handled in, in the building? Yeah, I think, um, look, I, I think health and safety is, is obviously crucial. I think there are certain provisions that we need to make to, to make sure that we're constantly uh, adjusting and um, providing the highest level of care and attention to, to it. However, we are social beings. We are, we are indescribably bored of being locked up with ourselves and our cats. Um, and I think, you know, you kind of see the energy, the pent up energy that is being created uh, out of this lockdown. You're seeing some of the, the significant pipeline of bounce back for events, um, for, for even for, for, for going to retail and shopping centers, which has traditionally been troubling, you know, the, 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 you know, trying to get into a pub nowadays. Good luck to everybody on doing that. So. <laughs> You know, it's we, we are social animals, and I don't think that that's any different at the office, right? And the office is not necessarily, as we've always said, to to go to a to go to a desk, sit down, work, and leave, right? It is actually as much as anything to go for an intention, to go for a purpose, and that purpose is quite often to engage with others, right? So, notwithstanding social distancing for two minutes, but. The, the point of going to an office to collaborate, to, to, to do projects, to troubleshoot, to, 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 to do podcasts, to promote culture, to well-being, uh, to, frankly, hospitality, uh, they all require engagement with each other. That's how we get 
the very best out of each other. I, I'm convinced of that. And so I don't see that there's a natural conflict. I don't see that there's a, an either or. Um, I think people are prepared to uh, go into the office to engage with others, to get the most out of their productivity, to think about their own well-being uh, in other ways uh, than they are purely to worry uh, about what they touch, where they breathe and, and who they see. So um, I also think it'll slowly change over time. Uh, not that I'm obviously underplaying the importance of it, but uh, but, but that's just my, my personal feeling on it. And uh, Rupert, I would add to that that um, you know, uh, with my um, my tenant hat on, so we we, we rent space in central London. Um, one of the things that appeals to us about the flexible workspace offering, as um, someone who needs office space, is the fact that we uh, we we have a, an office space provider who take care of those worries. They manage, they help us manage that. We don't have um, office staff in, in the UK. You know, Yardi may have 7,000 employees, but we're 100 and, 180 in the UK and we have an office in Milton Keynes and we have a base in London. You know, flexible workspace is a really important part of our strategy. And it's about actually having faith and trust in that provider. And I think, it, 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 you know, that stuff won't stop us returning to the office for all the reasons Rupert has just gone through. And, and yep, I'm, you know, we work from home anyway. I don't really see our working patterns changing. Uh, <laughs> I might be wrong here, drastically, um, because we were pretty much working like that in the first place. You know, we, we, we use Zoom, we used, um, we didn't use Teams, so that, that's been a real, a real positive for us. But, um, but I, I suspect the office will be busier than ever, especially when we're allowed to go back. I think um, we, we are desperate for human human contact and the sense of belonging that I think our space gives us. So, um, you know, we, we're all looking forward to that. And I, I speak on behalf of all my team and other teams within Yardi. Absolutely. I, I think that's an interesting point about sort of outsourcing that safety to, to the landlord, to the operator. Um, and, and concentrating on on the excitement of being back and bouncing back and those sorts of things. Um, so you, you mentioned you think the um, the office will be busier than ever, uh, Justin. I mean, we, we've we've started the sort of uh, reopening of the economy in the UK. Twelfth um, of April. Uh, some companies have have been in throughout from from January, even though they might not shout about it, and others have taken the twelfth as a time to decide they can't effectively work from home. Um, how important is is flex in that reopening journey, and and generally the the, the future of work? Would you say, Justin, first? I think it, I, I personally think it's tremendously important. I think more important than it's ever been, and more relevant. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I forget which is statistic that is thrown from CBRE or JLL about the percentage of real estate that is flex in London, six, seven percent. Anyway, the point is that is going to drastically increase because I think that businesses will be looking at their offering. We all know somebody, a friend of a friend who works for a big corporate who've let space go, um, looking at their working practices to be more pragmatic. Uh, and I suspect we're going to see that. I don't think anyone's really got a crystal ball, or I haven't met anyone that I think really knows what's going to happen. Because funny enough, even talking about our product development, you know, even desk booking systems, things like that, 
we don't actually know. And I don't think our customers know what's going to happen just yet. So it's a bit of watch this space, I think. Um, um, but, but I kind of sense uh, a, a little bit, I'm with Rupert, is, is we are social creatures. And, and I wonder, you know, I've been on a number of these sessions with FlexSpace operators, and, and I think there is a sense that we will, after time, get back to how it was slightly. Um, you know, people will get back to coming to the office and doing their routine, but also their employers will feel much more comfortable with them working from home because we have been for God knows how many months, 14, 15 months. And guess what? It works. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And uh, Rupert, would, would you like to add anything there about the uh, thoughts on, on where we're at with, with reopening and, and any noises that you're seeing or yeah. uh, patterns of use? I um I think it's really interesting. I it, it's um it's even though this 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 reopening this great reopening is um is occurring as we speak and happening over the next couple of months. Uh, I think what we're seeing is not a stampede uh, back to the office. Um, I think that employers, as a result of how long this has gone on for, it's become an incredibly sensitive topic. And Paul, you alluded to the, the, the sort of health and safety concerns that come with it. And employers are very, very rightly, very, very cautious um, of, of engaging in the discussions too early with employees. Obviously, you've got, you've got Goldman Sachs, on the other hand, who culturally just, just you know, think that the lockdown is an abomination and working from the home is the worst thing ever. But, you know, generally speaking, you'd say the mainstream is it's still quite early. But discussions are starting to occur and i think that you know yes there is a a, a deep-rooted uh desire for employees to continue to have an element of remote working so i don't think hybrid working is out of the question i think that's probably more likely than likely uh, that was as as uh, justin alluded to earlier a trend anyway so I, I think we can be pretty confident on that i think we can be pretty confident that it's going to take time uh to to settle into Anything, anything approaching kind of a standard, uh, if there is one that happens. Uh, I think that people will be very wary of long-term liability. So I think leases uh, will be a struggle. And the longer this has gone on, the more that people have come out of, of leases that would generally have just automatically renewed. Uh, so I think that there'll be a lot of requirement for flexibility, although I am biased, obviously, but I think there will be a requirement for flexibility in order to uh, work out how to adapt to this new kind of hybrid working and getting away from the long-term lease liability. I, I, I think generally flex until about the last sort of three, four years, and maybe, you know, as a result of pre-WeWork, uh, had a bad reputation. You know, it, it wasn't something that people uh, were particularly enamored by. I, I think CEOs and decision makers uh, thought of it as, as a sort of a brand killer to some extent. Uh, and I think that that's now significantly shifted. So I think a lot of larger companies uh, will look at um, engaging with uh, flex operators. So, you know, you see the likes of the BP deal with the office group, things like that. I don't think that's going to be unusual. Um, and I think people want to outsource, as, as Justin alluded to, some of the running of it uh, and and the role of the increased role of technology to be able to to, to be able to support that and the, and the day-to-day running and how people activate and use their office space in this new hybrid world. So I think um, I, I think there's no crystal ball, but I think we're starting to see patterns. Uh, I think it'll just take a bit of time uh, for people to get there. And it is, is that um, 
greater focus on flex from the corporate side as they let uh, leases expire and they use this sort of interim um, hang space, as some people call it. Um, is that changing the way you design spaces? Is it changing the the conversations, the timing of planning spaces with developers? So just talk us through that a little bit. Yeah, good question. I think um, from a landlord perspective, it's changing a lot. Um, so, you know, I think that certainly in larger buildings uh, with larger clients that may be on traditional leases, they are demanding an element of flexibility. So, you know, they might be project workers. Uh, they may, you know, they may work in projects or, they may bring people in uh, less into the office. They may use more meeting rooms on a paid use. What's the point in having all of that on a long-term lease when you use it so little? Why don't you just use it on a pay-as-you-go basis? Um, and I think general collaboration space and hospitality space uh, is now really important to a lot of these people as they want to get their employees back. So I certainly think landlords are, are looking very differently about how they, or developers, as you say, Paul, are, are thinking very differently about how they design and operate these spaces. From our perspective, we not a lot has changed, right? Because that's that's how we saw it. Um, that's how a lot of these flex operators see it. Uh, that is the purpose of the office. Uh, it is not simply a place to go to sit at a desk and get fired if you turn up after nine or leave before five thirty. So um, I think uh, from our perspective, it's it's great where there's a lot more alignment with with how the landlord is being forced to think about it now. Yeah. And, and, and similarly, Justin, what are some of the things that landlords are asking for at, at, at the moment? And how does um, demand uh, look for, for, for the Yardie suites out there? So a couple of things. Um, one thing that has shifted slightly in flex space uh, that we've seen is um, certainly with our um, Yardie Cube uh, IT management product set, where we manage uh, broadband and Wi-Fi, we've seen people um, change the way they configure their comms rooms. So for example, they are looking to kind of set up an infrastructure that supports corporates. So that implies to me there is a demand out there. People wouldn't be investing in that if uh, there wasn't that demand. And certainly, you know, of the, of the clients that we have in that space, they're definitely, um, that's something that they're seeing is those corporates renting larger chunks, almost private suites, if if you see what I mean. So um, we're seeing that and they're very particular about their security on bandwidth. So that's one shift that we, we, we've we seen on that side of things. On the actual um, a real estate owner side of things, um, uh, we, we see um, a lot of people kind of dipping their toe into the water of flex space. So they may well um, have flex space um, already in their portfolio because their their tenants are flex-based providers. Um, so we have a couple of customers, well, quite a few customers that have that situation going on right now. But it's interesting to see how they are now saying, actually, what we want to do is put more of our portfolio on, uh, on a flex, flexible offering. But it's not what I would call a traditional co-working offering. This isn't, you know, this you know, co-working is a very, very small part of it. This is about flexible licenses. For, um, so, you know, uh, three-year term type deals for larger chunks of space supporting maybe 50 people rather than 
I can't remember what Instant Office's last, um, you know, average deal size was. I think it was seven or nine is the average number of workstations. So, so again, and that that over the years has been going up in size as the average deal, and I suspect it will continue to go up, probably at a faster rate now. So, I think we see we definitely see that um, that side of things. So, they're not quite brave enough to go into, hey, we'll manage some co-working desks, <laughs> but they are brave enough to kind of maybe restructuring their their um, commercial deals and um, and taking shorter terms. Um, so I think that's the big that's the really big change. Yeah. Okay, that's great. And finally, just um, your your predictions. I know you said you you don't have uh, crystal balls in front of you, either of you, but. Um, the, uh, the, you know, the forecast, I think, is always interesting at the moment. People really need that insight and analysis. Just throw the eye forward a couple of years, um, 24 months down the line. How do you think the, the office market will look? What, what will be the, um, you know, the, the picture for workforces in or out of the office, for flex within that? Any, any thoughts that spring to mind? Rupert first. Uh, yes. I think that the, the percentage of overall flex space, uh, I think Justin alluded to sort of 7% currently. I think it'll go as, a, as an overall percentage of the commercial market will go. It may even go as high as what JLL predicted a year ago, that, that it was going to be about 30% of the total market. So I think the demand will be significant. Uh, I think landlords will adapt to that as well. I think the role of technology is going to be amazing to be able to promote increased amount of remote working and hybrid style working uh, so that you'll see that companies probably take less space overall, but take uh, larger space for larger teams on a pay-as-you-go basis. Um, and I think technology will allow that to happen really quite easily. I think there'll be a significant change to where offices are located. So I can start to see that offices may start to spring up in more regional hubs as a result of some of this more hybrid working. So you know, where does the remote worker go when they don't want to go on the commute, but still want to get out of the, you know, the, the house with the cat. So uh, I think you'll start to see a lot more of those sort of hub and spoke, as they're referred to, setups or maybe in just regional uh, co-working facilities. And I think I think you'll see people being generally probably a lot happier as a result. Uh, and uh, <laughs> I think employers will start to free a lot more balance sheet to focus on or their people, um, which is which is also something that I really hope happens. As well. Yeah, very good, Justin. Uh, I think Arupa absolutely um, summed that up and was very articulate in doing it. And and the last point there about the balance sheet, there'll be less capital expenditure from corporates on their own offices. So you know, so absolutely, their balance sheet will be stronger. They won't have leases that they have to um, they have to account using IFRS sixteen. They, you know that that they'll reduce that. So um, I think Rupert absolutely nailed it. I, I, I and I hope that is what happens. Actually, I, I, I do uh, from selfish reasons too. I quite like working at home, but I love going into London. The only one that I'm a little bit cynical about, and I'll be honest, uh, is the hub spoke model. It's quite interesting. There's a lot talked about that and i suspect that's my own selfish situation on where i live i i love where i live and i wouldn't go to the nearest town to go and work because i'm quite happy at home yeah. but um i would go to london 
I would absolutely go to London to our to our hub in London. So I don't know, but that's just me. That's selfish. Um, uh, and I'm, I'm no, you not- could you could probably have a whole you could probably have a whole different podcast on it because I I think it's a really yeah. that's a really interesting question. But yeah, and not I, for now, no uh, doubt, Paul. Not for now. Yeah, <laughs> and I see John John Williams and the Instant Group. I love John Williams; he's fantastic. It, it got constantly, they're really really big on it, and 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 I suspect I suspect they know better than I do, if I'm honest. <laughs> Yeah, it's an interesting one, the hub and spoke. I've, I've, I've seen some very intelligent people whose uh, opinions I value arguing very different different viewpoints on it. So uh, yeah. uh, that, that's that's one of the less predictable um, sort of subplots that's going to run out, um, you know, unravel in the next couple of years. And I think a lot of it depends where your staff live. If, if, if you don't have staff that live close together, then why would you... You know, how, how do you open multiple hub um, or spoke offices? Yes. I, I, you know. yes. Well, so, I think the point is that you probably might end up subsidizing uh, your employees uh, to be able to access their local co-worker, co-working space, hmm. you know, rather than getting on a train. And I think from a co-working perspective, um, it yeah. really will be probably more that, will more actual co-working probably than, than kind of service office to promote kind of well-being of those people and the ability to be able to do focused work locally reducing but I, so commute. I don't think I, yeah exactly reducing commute yeah. make sure it's cheaper yeah. than a train ticket into london uh, absolutely that you know that that's that, that's a winner isn't it um and and i think the other thing just just funny enough just uh, thinking about it a little more um with, with my other hat on in yardi i i'm very involved in the build to rent sector and um increasingly that sector i mean it's growing i mean it's still very small but it's growing very very fast investment capital is pouring in absolutely pouring in and um and it's not just a london or manchester phenomenon this is happening everywhere so i suspect if if that keeps up its momentum and there are developments in you know secondary tertiary town stroke cities naturally there'll be more flexible working in those places so so maybe there is something in it there which is driven by you know where the people are going yeah yeah absolutely and those those large reception areas that have um the the benches for working at and the the sort of breakfast bar setups on the ground floor certainly um the ones I've seen in the big build to rent towers, they are very, very well used by, by people that want to get out of their apartment and go down and, and work there. So, um, you know, that's that, that's become part of the sort of office um, makeup, if you like. Um, and, and as you see people like legal and general get into suburban build to rent, mm-hmm. you could almost mm-hmm. see, you know, suburban offers um, having some co-working for every X number of houses you have, um, somewhere mm-hmm. where residents can can go, and it becomes almost like a communal facility on site. Well, that that's already happening. That is happening today. Mm. But I think I think what's interesting about that is that you always need right. This is why people talk about this weird K-shaped recovery for me because if you have people who are managers, senior managers who are in nice houses, don't have a they they don't distinguish really between their bedroom and their sitting room and their kitchen. They can go wherever they want. Someone who's in a buy to rent needs a place to escape, right? Because it's so expensive to live in these cities these days, especially London, that obviously build to rent in terms of, and, and the size of which you get, 
you know, you, 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 you can't afford a significant amount. And therefore, you need to get out of that space to be able to go down. That's why I think you see a significant number of people working in those kind of traditional reception areas and these built to rent areas and this demand to be able to get out and this demand to be able to go back to the office because, frankly, it's great, it's great escapism. And that's where there's a significant amount of hospitality, culture and fun to be had. Managers, middle managers, senior managers in their houses and, and dare I say their gardens, they, they're absolutely fine. But, you know, they, they, they have far less of a problem. And I'm generalizing. Of course, I'm massively generalizing. But I think that's the crux of, of some of the issues that you see sort of societal, you know, this sort of societal problem that, that you have in this recovery and, and the voices that come in on, uh, on remote working. Absolutely. Yeah, I echo that. That's great, guys. Thanks very much. Really, really interesting discussion. Uh, thanks, Rupert Dean from X and Y, Justin Harley from, from Yardi for joining us for, for this episode. And uh, see you all again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Paul.